Hello and welcome to episode Alex Chiasson of the Cosper Pointcast. I'm your host, Trevor Shackles. As we're recording this, the NHL draft is just three days away, and even the expansion draft for Seattle is tomorrow. We're only going to be focusing on the prospect draft today, though, and to do that with me is friend of the show and director of content for Future Considerations Hockey, as well as many other titles, it's Josh Bell. Josh, how's it going? It's going well. Thanks a lot for having me. Uh, yeah, it's always uh, funny to hear the intros with all the titles that I consistently carry. Yeah, yeah. I, I was deciding which which one to go for. <laughs> There's a lot, but... Um, yeah, thanks for coming on again. Last time you were on the CPP, Colin was hosting the Draft Debater series, which was, um, you know, he did, he did a fantastic job at. Um, although obviously with him stepping back, you're, you're stuck with me this time. But, you know, first of all, I want to ask you, how was it scouting in a strange season like 2021? Yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. This was my first full season with FC Hockey. And uh, I, coming on, I was kind of hoping to to get into rinks and living in Ottawa, Ontario, obviously that did not happen as we didn't get any OHL or any hockey uh, going this year. So everything was down to video. Um, I know a couple of our European scouts and Russian scouts got into rinks here and there, but uh, it was it was tough going. Everything was video, um, but I think we adapted well and we, we launched our video team this year. Um, Derek Neumeyer led that and did a wonderful job and that's how we got a ton of our views and I think it's going to be a big part moving forward, not only for us, but for NHL teams. I think you kind of see the benefit of video and you can pause and kind of go back and, okay, what did the prospect do well or not well here? And what can they do to fix it? Um, so it, it really allows for a closer look at how they're playing. So uh, it was an interesting first year of uh, scouting with FC, but um, looking forward to keep going. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm curious about that. If you think there's any, I don't know, like in in the future, in a normal non-COVID season, would you prefer to go to games still? Or do you think it's actually better to just be home and, you know, like you said, be able to pause it and rewind it and things like that? I think there's benefits to both. Uh, so in the rink, you can kind of, you can see things that you can't always see on video. Video is mm-hmm. so stuck on the puck, um, where sometimes you want to see what's happening at the other end of the ice. You want to see what the player's doing on the bench. You want to see how they react after a bad play or a good play, or you want to see how their coach is acting with them and how they're responding to that. Um, so I think getting that first look at players and kind of knowing who to, to target uh, is great live. And then you can kind of go use the video to supplement that. Um, but I think they, the two go hand in hand and they're, they're equally important, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of people have kind of been sharing that sentiment and that, you know, it seems like video is going to be a bit of a way of the future, but you know, in-person scouting still seems very valuable as well. So, um, yeah, a bit of a frustrating season, I'm I'm sure, for a lot of people, especially, you know, those who are involved with the OHL, like yourself. But um, specifically with with this draft class coming up, you know, every year we're we're always told it's either like, oh, this draft is incredibly incredibly deep, like last year's, or maybe this draft lacks star talent, like we've kind of heard for this year. I guess, well, I don't want to answer my own question, but yeah, like how would you characterize this year's draft to the best of your ability right now? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, we've, we've kind of heard it all year how it's a weaker draft class. And while it does lack that uh, potential superstar talent at the top, I think there are a number of players that, that could be stars. And I, I do think that it is relatively deep, um, not, con- not compared to last year, what we're kind of used to, but I think there are a lot of prospects that could pan out to be NHL regulars. Um, obviously, it's it's tough and 
obviously there's going to be hits and misses throughout, but um, yeah, I think it's, there's a lot of players that I've, I've just watched so much that I kind of love them now. So it's, yeah. it's hard for me to say that it's a weak class. Cause I think there's a ton of potential here. Um, I think it's, it's going to be yeah. interesting to see how some of those um, high risk, high reward players pan out in the long run. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, this might not be the easiest question to answer, but is there a, a certain draft within the last like 10, 15 years that you could compare it to, or is it kind of hard to make that comparison? It's kind of hard for me. I only really got into it in a 2017 draft and have yeah. been glued since, but yeah, that's a bit hard for me right now. Fair enough. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about this draft is now, wait, I'm, I'm misremembering. So last year, Askarov went in the first round. Um, I'm forgetting. Was there yeah. somebody else in the first round that was also a goalie? Nope. Nope. No, so okay. last year's Askarov and the year before, Spencer Knight. Right, right. So this year, it seems like a lock that both Jesper Wallstedt and Sebastian Kossa are going to be in that first round. Um, yeah. What do you make of that? The fact that there could be two goalies, like even in the top 15, potentially. Yeah, I think it's a combination of the the lack of that star talent, that uh, that top tier that we normally see in the draft, mixed with just how good these two goalies have been. Uh, I absolutely love Wallstedt. I've been pushing for him to be higher in our rankings all year. I think it, on my board, I think he's probably top three. I think when wow. we look back at this draft, we might kind of, uh, it's like looking back at 2012 with uh, Vasilevsky. Think back and why didn't he go first overall? Uh, I think he could be that this year. And with Sebastian Kosa, I think he just, he just dominated the WHL the last two years. Um, obviously it's, it's hard because this year he was in um, a little bit of a weaker division with the WHL kind of separating into different cohorts. Yeah. Um, and the team was very good, but he also stood on his head and was just absolutely dominant. I think he lost maybe one game. Uh, it's just unreal. So I, I would love to see both of them go. Uh, top 15 I think Wallstedt should go top 10 um, and yeah that we haven't had two goalies since again 2012 with uh, Vasilevsky and Malcolm Subban so mm-hmm. I think it'd be great to see I've always been uh, a fan of taking goalies in the first round so uh, this will be a good year for that for me <laughs> interesting yeah I, I kind of want to get get into that a bit later um, into the goalies specifically but yeah it, it would be pretty fascinating if those guys get taken early and you know, either one of them are, seems like are an option for the Senators at 10. But now just, just in general, in your mind, who do you think, I mean, I'm sure most people are are realizing that it seems like Owen Power is going to go first overall. But, you know, if we look, if we're looking 10, 15 years down the line, who do you think ends up being the best player from this draft? And, and what kind of impact do you think they'll have in the NHL? Yeah. Um, so I, I really think it's going to be Luke Hughes. Um, I mentioned Wallstead already, and but I think for for skaters, I think Luke Hughes, he's just he's got a ton of potential, and his development curve is kind of right in that sweet spot right now, trending up. Uh, he's only six days away from the 2022 NHL draft, mm. and I know there's a few others at FC that have he was our number one for most of the season. Um, I just think his ceiling is the highest. He's I'm not sure he'll be a, a number one defenseman, but I think he could be a top pairing uh, or excellent number three. Um, and that kind of goes for all the the big four defenders up there right now. So I think they're they're all very close uh, with where their ceilings might end up, where their peak might be. But I think I give Hughes the edge. Interesting. Yeah, I 
I don't think a lot of people will like. I think this year is probably one of the best years for the Senators to be picking tenth rather than like first, second, third, fourth, fifth, just because yeah. you know. You're obviously a very big fan of Luke Hughes, and I think a lot of people are, and, and for good reason. Um, but, you know, you hear you talking about, oh, he could be like a second, maybe, at, at worst case, like a number three. Doesn't sound like, you know, the most exciting player. Obviously, he should be a very good player for, for any franchise. But um, it is interesting just comparing, like, you know, guys like Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, things like that. So I think from a Senators fan perspective... Um, you know, it, it seems like picking number 10 probably isn't the worst this year. Yeah, for sure. And I think we, we've kind of heard it all year how the really the top 10, even 11 players in this class, you could kind of interchange them. I think as mm-hmm. the year has gone on, there's been four or five guys that have maybe separated a little bit, but it's still very close in that top tier, top two tiers of one to 10 or 11. So it's going to be really interesting. I think I, I Power is probably the number one pick, but after that, it could be a little bit of a like throwing a dart at a dartboard. Who goes mm-hmm. next? So it'll be it'll be interesting to see. And those are the most fun years when there's yeah. just a you know Barrett Hayton going to the Coyotes just completely <laughs> off the board, right? Like those are the most fun years when you just have no idea what's going to happen. So, and I think specifically with Ottawa as well, it seems like no one really knows. Um, but when you look at Ottawa's NHL roster and their prospect pool, what would you identify as their biggest need right now? Like, obviously, they're going to be talking about best player available and stuff like that. But if we're just focusing on need, what do you think they need the most? I think you guys are at a, just an excellent spot where you've got good pieces everywhere. Um, I just did the mock draft for Sporting News, and I had Wallstedt go to the Senators, and I've, mm. I've seen him in a couple other mocks go to the senators uh, i just think he while you guys do have a lot of goalie prospects i think he's just on another level um a goaltender playing the full year in the shl in his draft year yeah just it doesn't really happen ever um and normally when they play in any men's league in europe they pan out as a starter in the nhl so i think he just has the highest potential of uh compared to the senators goalie prospects now um other than that i could see them going for a highly skilled winger, um, whether that's Kent Johnson, uh, if Dylan Genther's there, uh, or even Cole Sillinger, Charles Lucius. I think that's kind of the player that they would want is the high skill guy just to to fill out the wings, fill out the the top six. Um, but yeah, there's it's going to be interesting because if somebody out of that top ten does fall, then you might have to take them. It'll be it'll be very exciting for them. I think no matter what, you get a good player at ten. For sure. And I think even just looking at last year, you know, you look at how far Marco Rossi f- fell. Was was it, I think it was right to 10th or 11th or something like that. Um, yeah. And yeah, like I I would expect one of those guys to fall anyway. So I guess I, I sort of already know your answer to this. Like I was going to ask if you think it's wise to draft a goalie that high in your mind, but maybe just elaborate on that a bit more because there are definitely some people that are, and I, I don't know, I kind of fall in the middle of this, but there are definitely some people that think it's too risky to draft a goalie that high why would you say that um or sorry why would you go against that train of thought i just think there have been a number of goalies that did pan out you look at uh marc-andre fleury vasilevsky uh there's just so many more you look at the the playoffs we just had there was a bunch number one and i'm not saying they pan out every time but the ones that do and especially for in walsat's case playing in the shl uh he was the starter 
for the majority of the season. He ended up losing it, but still being in that spot. Um, Byron Bader, he he had an article earlier this year about how that never happens, and I think it was uh, 71 or 77% of the time the goaltenders that play in a men's league in their draft year become NHL starters. Um, so wow. I think if there was ever a year to take a goalie, top 10, top 15, this is the year because you've got two excellent choices. Uh, and again, just because that top tier that we normally see in the draft, the Matthews, McDavid's, McKinnon's, and whoever's right behind them, the Eichel's, the uh, Patrick Laine's, uh, though that tier's not there, it brings everybody else up. So right. what would normally be a, a second rounder, like Benjamin Goudreau, we've got him at the end of the first. They bump into the... Uh, they bump into the first round instead of maybe going in the second. So I think, I think this would be the year to take a goalie for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Ottawa's situation in terms of goaltenders is, is quite different just because, you know, obviously they traded for Matt Murray last year and they've taken a goalie, one goalie in every draft since I want to say 2015, like they've had Decord and Mad Sogard and Marilainen and um, God, I'm forgetting people, but um, you know, they have so many of these goalies in their system. So I think it would be pretty fascinating if they took Wallstat or even Casa that high, because I don't know, that, that might sort of send a signal that they're not that um, confident in some of these other guys. So I think it would be awesome if they could get more of a sure thing in there, because they certainly could use that. Yeah. But like you kind of touched on earlier, I think they could really use a high-skilled winger, potentially even a center, and maybe even yeah. like a right-hand defenseman. So there's really only two positions where I think they, you know, don't really need that much more on the left side defense and, and left wing. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like if they take one of those positions of need, just because it seems like there's not too much separation. I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong there, but it seems like a lot of these guys are, are pretty similar and it seems like they can't really go wrong um, unless they really pick in an area of redundancy. Yeah, I think uh, there's there's so many players in that range to take. They, you never know. You could see them reach on a guy that they really like and yeah, might be questioned because we've seen them do it before, but then it pans <laughs> out. So yeah. Uh, Obviously, it'll take some time to see how they pan out. But yeah, I think even if they reach a little bit, those all those players in there, they're very, very close. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting. And you mentioned the goalies. with So if they ended up taking Wallstedt, let's say, I think all of the other goalies that you guys have in your system, they do still have the potential. So Decord, Gustafsson, uh, Sogard, I think you yeah. can end up moving those pieces because then you've got Wallstedt. So you still have tools to work with. You can bring something else in package for, for pieces to help now and kind of start the curve up more. Um, so it, it would be really interesting. And um, Wallstat would be a, a sign that some, some interesting moves are coming soon. So yeah, we'll see. For sure. Yeah. And just last question about the state of the Senator system. How, how do you feel about their system right now? Do you think they still need some work to do in terms of adding um, depth or, or, you know, higher end players or do you think they're pretty close to finish there um i think defense is probably good um they've got the skill there they've got some depth um i i think they could use some more depth um maybe not depth i think they need more high-end talent i guess high-end skill so like a kent johnson would be like a perfect fit because he brings a, a yeah. skill level that maybe a lot of guys don't have necessarily um, other than stetzel 
Um, yeah, I think that would really help them. It would add to their depth. And there's just, there's so many pieces that there's, there's definitely a lot to be excited about, but uh, adding those guys that could probably fit into the top line and be top line forwards in the NHL would be the, the goal, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd love to see that personally and, you know, sort of take that next step into not just a playoff team, but like a contender. So, but anyway, the, let's talk about the 2021 prospects. We've already talked a bit about, you know, the goaltenders, but who are some names that you think the Sens should be targeting at 10th overall? I guess besides Walsta and Kosa, um, or maybe some names who you think they might actually target if those two things are different. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, it's really going to depend on how the nine picks ahead of them go. If somebody falls, I think you have to, to jump on that. Um, I think probably the leading contender there is Kent Johnson that we just spoke about. Um, I think he's probably the most skilled player in this class. Uh, he's just, his hands are incredible. His ability to, to enter the zone and drive the net is just, it's so fun to watch. He's been just, he's been very exciting to watch night in and night out. Um, and he did very well in his first season in the NCAA after coming from the BCHL. Um, so that was especially impressive. Um, other than that, I think Mason McTavish, um, I think he would probably be a number one target for Dorian and company. He's just got, mm-hmm. he's got the frame. He's improved so much this year in his skating, uh, where he was kind of average skater last year. He's really taken a step up uh, overseas in Switzerland. And then we saw it at the U18s as well. And he's got an excellent shot. I think he's a guy that could end up becoming a first line center. Uh, more likely as a second line center, but he's got his ceiling would be a first, I think. Um, and then after that, I think there's a couple guys that they're right at 10, maybe a little bit below uh, Cole Sillinger and Charles, Chaz Lucius. I think both of them have goal scoring ability. Uh, Sillinger is, I, I don't think he's that far behind Johnson in the skill uh, with his hands and just his ability to create space and get into the open ice and create opportunities for his team. And Lucius brings that as well. He was kind of nagged with injuries all year. He missed like the first half and then he was injured for the U18s as well. So he didn't really get that platform that he should have. But then when he did play, he was a point per game player. Um, and yeah, his ability just to always be in the right place at the right time and bury the puck is just incredible. Uh, imagining him with some of the other guys that the Sens already have would be would be something special, I think. Um, so yeah, there's, there's quite a few guys to choose from. It... Uh, like I said earlier, I think no matter what, you get a good player at 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's some good names there. And I want to ask um, specifically about Johnson. Do you think he would end up being playing center for the Senators? Or do you think he'd... Because I, I believe, did he play wing at, at Michigan with Beneers? Uh He mainly played wing. He did play a little bit of center. Um, okay, yeah. And he's, he's gone back forth, but I, I think he probably projects as a winger. As a winger, okay, yeah. So that's that's another thing to consider for the Senators, you know, just um, whether they want another winger or a center. And then with McTavish as well, that's just such a strange season for him because you know he was playing over in Switzerland. I mean, do you? I don't know if "worry" is the right word, but like, do you sort of worry? I guess that you know his competition level is so different. Not that it's necessarily worse than junior or anything. It probably is better. Um, but just in terms of like evaluating him, do you find that more difficult because he was playing in Switzerland? I don't think so. It is, he was playing in a men's league. 
Um, yeah. So I, I, you can kind of argue if that's better than the OHL or not. I think, I think the OHL is probably better, but maybe not by much. Um, but he's a very skilled player, and he was able to mature his game overseas. I think. Uh, so mm-hmm. we saw it when he came back for the U18s, he was he was really a leader on Team Canada, and um, I think all of the worries that people had about him uh, at the beginning of the season before he went to Switzerland, I think he actually kind of put those to bed, and that's why we've seen him shoot up rankings. Um, I know uh, people have considered him in the top three of this class. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think all the concerns, whether it was his skating, uh, I know he needs to kind of build explosiveness and just how he would handle the next level. I think he, he proved that he can do that. He, he got more explosive. He he improved his skating mechanics and he showed that he can play against men already. So I think I I don't have too many worries about him, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know your words about him right now are exactly why I'd be floored <laughs> if he fell all, of, all the way to the Senators at 10 um, you know, I've seen a lot of mocks recently that have him at five or four or even three, yeah. like you said. So, um, yeah, I'd be pretty happy if he fell all that way, but it'd be surprising. Johnson, on the other other hand, potentially, I, I still wouldn't expect that. But I wanted to run run through some other names as well um, that we haven't touched on, and just you know, just can be a bit of a, a rapid fire here. Like, you know, if you don't have too much to say, we can just move on to the next guy. But and, and some of these guys won't even be available for Ottawa anyway. But so let's start with Brant Clark. So right shot defenseman from the OHL. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I think um, he's probably a guy that he won't fall to 10. I don't think he's yeah. just, he's way too smart. His intelligence is is probably one of the best in this class. Uh, obviously we, we know he needs to work on his skating, but all the other pieces are there. We've seen players completely re- um, refine their skating when they get to the next level. And I, if he can do that, then I think he has that uh, 1D potential. But yeah, I think probably a little bit too rich for, for 10. Mm-hmm, most likely, yeah. Um, Carson Lambos, left shot D from, was it Winnipeg, I want to yeah. say? Yeah. Yes, Winnipeg. Yeah, he'll, he'd be, he's, he's interesting. He's one of those high-risk, high-reward guys. And when we started the season, he was our... I think number three ranked prospect. And now we've got mm-hmm. him at the end of the first round. Um, he didn't kind of, he didn't take the steps forward that we were hoping. Uh, he struggled at times in Finland uh, just compared to what we were used to. And he didn't get a chance to, to really play in the WHL only having two games. And now there are also health concerns. Um, I know he had a, a procedure and there, there might be more coming. So I think he'll, he'll, he's a guy that'll probably slip. But if he does pan out and that ceiling, he we might look back and think, okay, maybe he should have gone top ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Now I've never actually heard his name pronounced, so I don't know if I'm saying this correctly. But Corson Kulemans from um, yeah. Right Shot D from the AJHL. Yeah, uh, I we're pretty high on him, higher than most, I think. Uh, I think we've got him at eleven or twelve right now. Um, but he he's part of that uh, defensive core of this class that kind of made it dubbed the the year of the defenseman. Um, he's just, he's a big defender. He's mobile um, and he's very creative for a defenseman. Um, I, the AJHL playing in the AJHL might be a knock against him. Um, and he, he definitely has, he's a, he's pretty raw, but his creativity and just how well he moves with the puck uh, 
we think his ceiling is is very high and I think at 10, I'm not sure I personally would take him that high. I think he's mm-hmm. maybe more around 15 to 20 for me. Um, but there are some people who, who think he could definitely be a, a pick there. And if you're looking for a right shot defenseman, he's the next best one after Clark. So it, it's possible. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And the thing is, I mean, Ottawa took Jacob Bernard Docker from the AJHL as well. So they're not exactly afraid of drafting guys from there um, or just like junior A in general. So yeah, there, there's another name. A um, few more here. And this one, I, you know, I've seen his name pretty high. I've seen his name pretty low as well. Fabian Lysel from um, the SHL. Yeah, um, I think he's a guy that is going to slide on draft day because I think the public sphere and NHL teams value him very differently. Uh, he's a very flashy player. He has that, that high-end skill. Um, there's a little bit of a worry if he can create off the cycle rather than off the rush, which obviously in NHL, you need to be able to produce off the cycle as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, I I've heard these just, he's a little bit cocky and difficult to coach sometimes. And knowing the sends, that means they, they won't touch him. Absolutely not. Yeah, I know <laughs> <laughs> there's no chance. I mean, it is, it is still, you know, worth talking about, but yeah, yeah. myself seemed like, the least senator's pick ever. So. <laughs> but yeah, I thought I should at least mention him. Matthew Coronado. Uh, ooh, I forget where he's from, but you should know. And Chicago. There it is, Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think 10 is a, a bit high for me, but he's I've seen him. I think even Craig Button has him up that high. Um, hmm. He's a guy that kind of almost came out of nowhere this season, it seemed. Uh, talking about the Chicago Steel, everybody was talking about Mackie Simoskovich. And Coronado just ran away this year. Uh, his ability to, he seemed to jump on every puck. Whenever the puck was free, he was on it and somehow was in the back of the net. Uh, his competitiveness is sky high up there with Matty Beniers. Um, hmm. So he does seem to fit the mold of a Senator's pick, whether they, they bite at 10, we'll see. Um, I, I wouldn't hate that pick, actually, but I don't think I'd take him that high. Mm-hmm. I mean, he does fit the mold of, you know, again, Ottawa loves players from the USHL. They're not afraid yeah. to take guys from there. So, you know, I wouldn't expect that as well, but wouldn't necessarily surprise me, too. Um, now, one guy I want to get back to, we, you know, talked a bit about him earlier, but I just want to hear more specific thoughts from you about him. And that's um, Sebastian Kosa from Edmonton. Yeah, um, what he did this year, it was just, it was dominant. Um, I think he, I don't have his record up here, but I think he only lost one game all season. And hmm. he's got the size, I think he's six foot six. Um, he's very, he's, so we talk a lot about Askarov versus Wallstedt, and Askarov has the athletic ability, Wallstedt is the technical. I think Casa is kind of the best of both worlds. I, um, I think Wallstedt's ceiling is higher, but Costa's right there, and he's he's proved it this year with just how how good he was for for Edmondson. Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Hmm. Yeah. Now, and another guy that was in there too was Chaz Lucius, and you you talked about him. To me, he seems like a very Senators pick, and I would love that because you know he's kind of right in that range. Um, you had mentioned that he's a very good goal scorer, and I've seen that a lot on, on Twitter as well. 
Do you think that Otto would actually bite on him? And do you think that he would be a good fit for us? Us. I don't know why I said us. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, Scott Wheeler had an article about him and just his, um, his work ethic. And it just seems like he never takes his foot off the gas. He's always pushing himself to be better. Uh, he was injured, like I mentioned, for the first half of the year. And he was just working every way he could to get better, to get back and improve other areas of his game that he could while I think it was his knee while he was injured. Um, and and he really did that. So he was known last year as the goal scorer. But this year he also showed um, in the games that he did play how good he is at um, creating uh, for his teammates. So for playmaking and just his off-puck play in general really took a step forward. Um, I wish we could have seen it for a full season. But, yeah, I think he's a, he's a very Senators pick in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And honestly, just just his name, like just in my my gut feeling is that he's a senator. Like that just sounds like a guy that would be on the senators on this current iteration. Um, so I I don't know. I'm gonna go with that's that's my prediction. Um, and I guess actually no, I'll I'll save your prediction for the end here. But now some other guys, you know, for the listeners who are wondering why I'm not asking about other players, you know, Luke Hughes, Willie Mecklin. Dylan Gunther, Simon Edvins, Edvinson, seems like they're locks at in the top 10, so I doubt they would fall to Ottawa. Um, so we probably don't need to talk about them unless me saying this manifests them falling. But um, anyway, I feel like there are so many ways that the Sens could go, and they might just shock us like they've been prone to doing sometimes. So maybe maybe they don't even go with Lucius and they go with a guy like Kulamins or something like that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, there's just, there's so many options that, yeah, there, it's it's going to be uh, pretty nerve-wracking for Senators fans, I think, as they yeah. watch the names fly. <laughs> now, every scout will always have their favorites for whatever reason. Is there anyone after the first round that you have a real soft spot for and you think Ottawa would be wise in picking? Um, because Ottawa has two early second-round picks. Yeah, yeah. Um... So the first one I'll mention is Zach Dean. I think I think he's probably a first rounder at this point, but I just have to mention him because I think he's probably my favorite prospect in this class. Um, and he's another player that missed the start of the, the QMJHL season to an injury. But then he got back, he got comfortable, and he was one of the most offensive players in the league. Um, I've seen a lot of people recently talking about how he plays the, an old school game. Um, again, that fits Senators pretty well. Um, but he, his ability to drive the net and he doesn't only find the lanes, he can make them for himself, which is just all the more impressive. Uh, he's very creative. He's great on his feet. And I think he's just an all around excellent player. Uh, I've pushed for him hard in our rankings ever since he got back on the ice. And I, and at the end of the year, he was finally our first, our top prospect from the queue. Um, hmm. he's kind of been ranked a little bit all over from 14, 15 down to the top of the second round. So he might be there. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, defensively, another guy I've I've hyped up this year is Jack Pert. Um, he played in the USHL and in high school. He was uh, Mr. Hockey in the Minnesota high school leagues. Um, he's another guy. He's just so creative. And for a guy who was playing high school and then jumping up to the USHL, he's so patient with the puck. Um, he doesn't force plays. He waits for the play to kind of create itself almost and his ability just to slow down the entire game so he can do what he wants is really impressive to watch for 
for again a guy that was in high school this year uh, playing in the high school leagues um, and one more um, is Oliver Kapanen from Finland he doesn't get talked about as much as some of the other uh, high profile Finnish guys or prospects um, but we've we've pushed him up our rankings and um, I think he's a he's a two-way guy that still brings offensive uh an offensive skill um in the second round i I would take him probably at the top of the second round he might even be at the end of my first round um Hmm. he he got hurt at the u18s and it looked like a pretty nasty injury but he did come back at the end but i really wish we could have seen him for that whole tournament just so everybody could see how good he is because he played very well in the Finnish leagues this year Hmm. yeah and those all seem like picks that the senators you know, realistically could, could make. So is there any relation Kapanen? Yeah, it's a cousin. Interesting. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Very different player though. He doesn't have, have Kasperi's speed and he's a more well-rounded player, it seems than Kasperi. So Mm. that'll be an interesting comparison when they're, when they're both in the NHL, if Oliver gets there. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Now, when you're talking about those guys, those sort of potentially undervalued guys in your mind, what are some things that you're looking for um, in terms of like why they might be undervalued? Like, are you looking at guys that, you know, might have been injured or maybe they're just, I don't know, like, like why in your mind aren't they getting as much love and what are you sort of looking for there? Yeah. So for those three in particular, uh, Dean, I think the injury kind of held him back and then he did take a little bit to, get up to speed uh, in the league, um, just kind of get his feet wet after everybody else had been playing for, for months. Um, per the high school edge, I think probably is a knock against him. Like we talked about the AJHL, it's just the league he's playing in. But in the USHL, he was also arguably one of the best defensemen in the defenders in the league. Um, I know now at the end of the season, we've seen him pop up in a couple first rounds. So he's not as underrated as he was before. And then for Kapanen, I find he's not a flashy player. And for the guys outside the first round, um, you like to see someone who brings a little bit of flash or something that's really high end. And Mm -hmm. I think he's just very well-rounded and can almost fly under the radar with how good he is. Um, He's not going to be the guy to finish the play often, but he will create it in his own end and lead the way. So I think he... It's just kind of overlooked a little bit. And yeah, just in terms of, of any other guy, I think, um, yeah, you look for the flash, you look for some sort of, of trait that um, is translatable to the NHL. So there's there's a ton of guys that are in the second, third, fourth, even further that have caught my eye and would be targets in my mind. Um, so yeah, I, we'll, we'll see how many of those guys go. I know I can confidently say, Josh, that I would be a terrible scout because it is just <laughs> so hard to, you know, look outside those flashy guys and, you know, look for the responsible players. And, man, it, it's not easy, but, um, you know, especially outside the first round. But now kind of looking at the other side of the spectrum here, you know, we, we usually focus on what players we should hope for. Um but, you know, the draft is very risky, and there are plenty of players that have warts in their game or have other risks involved. So are there guys in any round, but, you know, most likely in the first few, 
that maybe you're a bit lower on due to some things that worry you? Yeah, I think the guy that I think of first is uh, Daniel Daniel Cheka, the Russian defender. So last year, last season, he played in the OHL at the Guelph Storm, and he actually looked pretty good. Um, I think he he's a little bit of a two way defender. Maybe he, I would probably say he's a little bit more defensive, um, but he does have some offensive potential, and he's a he's got a long reach. From what I saw of him this year, I think he took a big step back over in Russia. Uh, he did play some KHL games, VHL, MHL, so he played all over there. But I think maybe it was just uh, not getting set in the league like he did last year and kind of jumping around in with COVID, but he could almost be a different player in some games where he would just hmm. absolutely disappear and not make an impact, make really bad mistakes, bad decisions. And then at the the World Juniors, he was on Team Russia, and he, I think he was probably one of the most disappointing uh, twenty one eligible players in that tournament. And he even got he ended up getting benched and scratched. Um, and this was a guy who, entering the year, many thought could be one of the top fifteen picks. So he's in our first round, uh, just at the end at twenty eight. I, he's a guy that I've kind of said. I don't think he would even be in my second round. Um, hmm. Yeah, he's he's definitely a guy that I've I've been low on all year. And just from the sounds of it, doesn't really seem like he'd be a guy that the Senators would take. I mean, they really don't draft Russians. I mean, I guess he did play in the OHL, so it's you know they have done that with you know Igor Sokolov from from the Q and things like that. But just in terms of the consistency. That seems like something they really want to prioritize just just in the last like few years with their prospects. So I'd be pretty surprised if they took Chaika. But yeah, is there anyone else that you're sort of, I guess like a higher profile name that is up there? Or or are you pretty much, you know, along the same lines as everyone else in terms of kind of the top guys? Um, I mean, we could talk about Atsuradi a little bit as well. Um, obviously, coming into the year, he was pegged as the top prospect and. He's, he's definitely not that anymore. Um, <laughs> so I did a deep dive on him for FC uh, a few months ago. And I think if if you look at each one of his skills on their own, whether it's his passing, his shot, his skating, they look pretty good. They look like he could be a good prospect. But then when you watch him try to put it all together, he can really struggle. Um, and that's, again, we talk about consistency. That That's really the issue with him. There are some games where we kind of see that prospect we thought he could be and he really steps up his game. He's all over the puck. He's forcing turnovers. He's making things happen. And then there are games where he almost gives the puck away and it looks like it's almost on purpose. And it is a hmm. scoring chance against there was one play where he gets the puck and he's trying to leave his zone, and he's pressured by a defender and he just turns around and skates right back towards his net and then turns the puck over in front of his net, leaving the defend- <laughs> the opposition with the puck. And there's a few weird plays like that that you're just thinking, what are you doing? They're <laughs> running into one of his teammates. Um, so for a guy that was considered the top prospect, I think I do think it might be a confidence thing and maybe the pressure of being that first overall pick because he's been discussed for years as the, the probable first overall selection. Uh, so maybe there's the pressure and the confidence and maybe he'll, he'll bounce back. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think I would take him in the top 20 top 25 uh maybe at the end of the first round top of the second 
you know what? I almost feel like a guy like that, you know, obviously I'm not the scout here, but I almost feel like there's potentially some comparison to a guy like, um, actually, no, I, I was thinking Shillington fell further than he did. He was still in the second round, but you know, I feel like a guy like Ratty, you know, maybe he goes to like the third or fourth. Like if, if teams are really that down on him, I could see a lot of these teams passing on him and I don't know, I wouldn't be that shocked, but yeah, like if you have a high profile prospect like that and he just is really failing miserably, like kind of the entire season, I don't know, teams are very risk averse, so I feel like he could fall quite far. He could, yeah. I think McKenzie's, Bob McKenzie's talked about that too, that he could slip fairly far in the second or even past that. Same with Carson Lambos. Um, but I, I, I've, I have seen that some teams still think that he can turn it around and I wouldn't okay, be surprised yeah. to see one of those teams with multiple first rounders, uh, just take the chance like Columbus yeah. with their three, if they don't move, uh, those picks, maybe, maybe they take a flyer on them and hope it pans out. Um, and he, it could be worth it. Like he did show flashes. He does have, uh, good skills. He just, I think he just needs to figure out how to put it all together. And if he does, he, he, could be another player that you think okay maybe he should have gone higher yeah totally he's an interesting uh case study yeah and so obviously when we're looking at the draft these kids are only 19 or sorry 19 only 18 so you know even a quote-unquote bad pick can easily turn into a solid nhl player you know meaning that any analysis on draft day isn't meant as a slight to any of these players but I think it's still interesting to talk about these things and analyze what we see. So has your mentality surrounding that post-draft analysis, like immediate post-draft analysis, has that changed at all? Um, I think the post-draft analysis is really more just for the fans to give kind of instant feedback. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like doing it, seeing that instant feedback of after you've been watching these guys all season and, okay, this is what I think right now. And then a couple years later, you come back and think, okay, I can't believe I was that wrong um, or right. Hopefully we'll see. Um, yeah. I, I still like the, the instant reaction, but obviously you got to take it with a grain of salt. Um, yeah. You just, you can want to be right more often than wrong, but obviously with the draft you're you're going to be wrong a lot and you just have to prepare for that. Right. And what, what's so weird is that, Trent Mann has had some weird picks that actually turned into good players recently, you know, like seeing Drake Batherson turn into a stud, you know, others are on their way, like Formanton and Pinto, um, but they still kind of need to get over that final hurdle. But, you know, they've been sort of proving some people wrong, even when they're sort of going off the board here. Um, So yeah, I think it is. I mean, you obviously know this as a scout, like, it's probably going to take five, six years to fully evaluate a, a draft class. But um, as you say, you know, it, it's great for the fans and the the links and the articles for people to get those reactions and things like that. So, yeah, but one final question for you, Josh, before I let you go. Yeah. Gun to your head. Who does Ottawa walk out with at 10th overall on Friday? All right. I think I'll, I'll give it to you. So the dream scenario, I think, for the Senators would probably be Mason McTavish. Okay. I think that they could walk away with Kent Johnson, though. I think he's probably the pick. Hmm. If as long as he's there, um, I I can see 
the Senators uh, kind of betting on their young goalies and sticking with them. Like the Sens are protecting uh, uh, Gustafson, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I could see them kind of riding that and not taking the goalie. Uh, so yeah, Ken Johnson. Uh, but I think the dream pick would be McTavish. I think all Senators fans would definitely take that. Either one of them. Those yeah. those would be fantastic. And, you know, especially because it doesn't seem like there's a massive difference between, you know, some of these five to 10 players. So yeah. All right. Well, that should do it for today, Josh. Um, really appreciate you taking the time to talk during your busy schedule this week and keep up the great work. For sure. Thanks for having me. Uh, happy to come on anytime. Thanks. As I wrap it up, reminder that you can find the Cost Per Point cast on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. And if you really enjoy it, you can rate and review the podcast on those platforms as well. You can follow me on Twitter at ShackTS, read my articles at Silver7Sends, and also follow my YouTube channel called The Hockey Shack. If you want to submit a listener question for an upcoming episode, send me a message at CPPointCast on Twitter, where you'll get any updates about the show. Thanks for listening. Adios.